Chapter Seventeen of the Countess of Charny by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. What Andrea Wanted of Gilbert. At eight precisely next day, Gilbert knocked at the house door of the Countess of Charny. On hearing of her request made to Petou, he had asked him for full particulars of the occurrence, and he had pondered over them. As he went out in the morning, he sent for Petou to go to the college where his son and Andrea's Sebastian was being educated, and bring him to Cockerhall Street. He was to wait at the door there for the physician to come out. No doubt the old janitor had been informed of the doctor's visit, for he showed him at once into the sitting-room. Andrea was waiting, clad in full mourning. It was clear that she had neither slept nor wept all the night through. Her face was pale and her eyes dry. Never had the lines of her countenance, always indicative of willfulness, carried to the degree of stubbornness, been more firmly fixed. It was hard to tell what resolution that loving heart had settled on, but it was plain that it had come to one. This was comprehended by Gilbert at a first glance, as he was a skilled observer and a reasoning physician. He bowed and waited. I have asked you to come because I want a favor done, and it must be put to one who cannot refuse it to me. You are right, madame, not perhaps in what you are about to ask, but in what you have done, for you have the right to claim of me anything, even to my life. She smiled bitterly. Your life, sir is one of those so precious to mankind that I should be the first to pray God to prolong it and make it happy, far from wishing it abridged. But acknowledge that yours is placed under happy influences, as there are others seemingly doomed beneath a fatal star. Gilbert was silent. Mine, for instance, went on Andrea. What do you say about mine? Let me recall it briefly, she said as Gilbert lowered his eyes. I was born poor. My father was a ruined spendthrift before I was born. My childhood was sad and lonesome. You knew what my father was, as you were born on his estate and grew up in our house, and you can measure the little affection he had for me. Two persons one of whom was bound to be a stranger to me, while the other was unknown, exercised a fatal and mysterious sway over me, in which my will went for naught. One disposed of my soul, the other of my body. I became a mother without ceasing to be a virgin. By this horrid event I nearly lost the love of the only being who ever loved me my brother Philip. I took refuge in the idea of motherhood and that my babe would love me, but it was snatched from me within an hour of its birth. I was therefore a wife without a husband, a mother without a child. A queen's friendship consoled me. One day chance sent me in a public vehicle with the queen and a handsome young gallant, whom fatality caused me to love 
though I had never loved a soul. He fell in love with the queen. I became the confidant in this amour. As I believe you have loved without return, Dr. Gilbert, you can understand what I suffered. Yet this was not enough. It happened on a day that the queen came to me to say, Andrea, save my life, more than my life, my honor. It was necessary that I should become the bride of the man I had loved three years without becoming his wife. I agreed. Five years I dwelt beside that man, flame within, but ice without, a statue with a burning heart. Doctor, as a doctor, can you understand what my heart went through? One day, day of unspeakable bliss, my self-sacrifice, silence, and devotion touched that man. For six years I loved him without letting him suspect it by a look. When he came all of a quiver to throw himself at my feet and cry, I know all, and I love you. Willing to recompense me, God, in giving me my husband, restored me my child. A year flew by like a day, nay, an hour, a minute. This year is all I call my life. Four days ago the lightning fell at my feet. The Count's honor bid him go to Paris, to die there. I did not make any remark, did not shed a tear. I went with him. Hardly had we arrived before he parted from me. Last night I found him slain. There he rests, in the next room. Do you think I am too ambitious to crave to lie in the same grave? Do you believe you can refuse the request I make you? Dr. Gilbert, you are a learned physician and a skillful chemist. You have been guilty of great wrongs to me, and you have much to expiate as regards me. Well, give me a swift, sure poison, and I shall not merely forgive you all, but die with a heart full of gratitude to you. Madame, replied Gilbert, as you say, your life has been one long dolorous trial, and for it all glory be yours, since you have borne it nobly and saintly, like a martyr. She gave an impatient toss of the head as if she wanted a direct answer. Now you say to your torturer, You made my life a misery. Give me a sweet death. You have the right to do this, and there is reason in your adding, You must do it, for you have no right to refuse me anything. Do you still want the poison? I entreat you to be friend enough to give it me. Is life so heavy to you? that it is impossible for you to support it? Death is the sweetest boon man can give me, the greatest blessing God may grant me. In ten minutes you shall have your wish, madame, responded Gilbert, 
bowing and taking a step toward the door. Ah, said the lady, holding out her hand to him. You do me more kindness in an instant than you did harm in all your life. God bless you, Gilbert. He hurried out. At the door he found Fitou and Sebastian waiting in a hack. Sebastian, he said to the youth, drawing a small vial attached to a gold chain from inside his clothes at his breast. Take this flask of liquor to the Countess of Charny. How long am I to stay with her? As long as you like. Where am I to find you? I shall be waiting here. Taking the small bottle, the young man went indoors. In a quarter of an hour he came forth. Gilbert cast on him a rapid glance. He brought back the tiny flask untouched. "'What did she say?' asked Gilbert. "'Not from your hand, my child.' "'What did she do then?' "'She fell a-weeping.' "'She is saved.' said Gilbert. Come, my boy. And he embraced him more tenderly than ever before. In clasping him to his heart, he heard the crackling of paper. What is that? he asked with a nervous laugh of joy. Do you by chance carry your compositions in your breast pocket? There uh, I had forgotten, said the youth, taking a parchment from his pocket. The countess gave it me and says it is to be deposited in the proper registry. The doctor examined the paper. It was a document which empowered in default of heirs mail, to the titles of Philip de Tavernay, Knight of Redcastle, Sebastian Emile Gilbert, son of Andrea Tavernay, Countess of Charnay, to wear that title honorary until the king should make it good to him, by favor of his mother's service to the crown and perhaps award him the estates to maintain the dignity. "'Keep it,' said Gilbert with a melancholy smile. "'As well dated from the Greek calends. The king, I fear, will never more dispose of more than six feet by three of landed property in his once kingdom of France.' Gilbert could jest, for he believed Andrea saved. He had reckoned without Marat. A week after he learned that the scoundrel had denounced the favorite of the queen, and that the widowed Countess of Charny had been arrested and lodged in the old abbey prison. End of chapter 17 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia